Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what circumstances they were in. Many of my guests have survived amazing and incredible circumstances. And as a result, they have a passion to help others. I see this now after four years of doing this show. This is a common thread that runs through everyone's story. And everybody has a story. I don't care who you are. You have been through something in your life where you have felt hopeless, in need of a thread of hope to hold on to. And that's what this show's about. Each story is unique. And if you have a story that you want to share, contact me and we'll talk. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries. And that, too, indicates strongly how everybody wants to be encouraged. People love stories of encouragement. And this is what Never Ever Give Up Hope shares. So thank you to my guests, of course, and also to my listeners. Because if we didn't have listeners, we wouldn't have a show. Today you are going to hear from somebody who has really touched my heart. And the reason is because I am a dog rescuer. And I think I eat, sleep, and drink dog. I can, and I know that Maureen, who is my guest today, is going to relate very, very much with many people. With me today, I have Maureen Scanlon. She is the founder and CEO of Maureen Scanlon Life Coaching. She is a relationship expert. She is a motivational speaker. And I really like this. She is a positive change integrator who has successfully helped many people from experienced professionals to young adults to help them make positive changes to overcome past experiences and here's the biggie negative thinking she has written a book called my dog is more enlightened than i am what a title she offers tips on how to take inspiration from animals to make the most of your life and nurture your own relationships. Another thing that she shared with me is that most people go through their daily routines oblivious to the beauty of life and others around them. I don't think we have to look very far to prove this as true. 
they are oblivious of the impact that they have on the world and that they miss out on so much. I too am a dog rescuer and I'm so excited to have Maureen on our show today. Thank you, Maureen. How are you today? I am doing wonderful, Carol. Thank you so much for having me on today. And I love the premise of your show. I love that everyone can come together, share their stories, feel safe in sharing their stories. And someone out there listens and says, oh, that's me. And I can, yes. I can succeed as well. That's what it's all about. Thank you for capsulizing that. So before we discuss the subject um, that we're going to talk about mostly today, which is the relationship with animals, etc., and what we can learn from them, I'd like you to share a little bit of your own story of hopelessness. I know that there were two major moments in your life that caused you great, possibly fear or guilt or many, any other emotions, which I know you will discuss. So let's start with the low moment in your life with your alcoholic husband. Absolutely. I always believe that those that bring us the most hardship and um, hardest pain, most pain and, and hardship um, are our greatest teachers. And I look at my experience with my ex-husband as, as that. I grew up in a household uh, I love my parents. They're still married, and and they're they're great people. But the household that I grew up in, my mother uh, wasn't very nurturing. She didn't understand how to, um, you know, really connect with her children, and she was very um, OCD, and so she really wanted everything to be perfect in the household as far as the outside but as far as the nurturing part that was definitely lacking and so I started off always feeling like I just didn't belong in that family so I had met my ex-husband in high school and we started dating shortly after we graduated so of course 18 years old you think you know everything <laughs> about life and you're such a grown-up and you can make these grown-up decisions and I believe now looking back it was that kind of escape from my home and felt so loved and nurtured by the first one that that came along and I just I really was looking for him to fill something that was missing in me and so we ended up um, I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, and he joined the military, went off to uh, basic training, so he was gone. I went through the, um, the entire pregnancy myself. My parents, unfortunately, didn't share um, in the joy of my pregnancy and weren't real happy about my decisions, and so I was pretty much disowned. Uh, so I was, here I was, 19 years old, I'm going through a pregnancy, I have no idea what any of this is about because we didn't discuss sex and pregnancy in our bodies or anything okay. so this is completely foreign to me um and so yeah i went through the whole thing while he was in basic training i went in to have my daughter and i was completely alone when i gave birth and it was a military medical yeah. facility which they they lack at times i'm going to be nice in, in saying that <laughs> they lack they they lack in significant areas and I remember after I had had my daughter feeling so alone and the nurses wanted me to walk her down to the nursery so they could check her vitals and give her a bath and I remember just that long walk down to the hallway having to give her up 
come back to my bed and feeling so alone and like it was so devastating but yet strengthening at the same time and so as we progressed I finally uh, had my daughter and my husband ended up being um, stationed in Germany and so I was wanting to get over there to be with him uh, unbeknownst to me all he was doing over there was just hanging out with the guys and drinking and really in no hurry to get me over there and so I finally said hey I bought a ticket and I'm coming over you better find a place for us to stay I get over to Germany and here we are this young couple he, we have no idea how to be married he left 15 days after we got married at the courthouse a uh, new father you know has no idea what all we've gotten ourselves into and with his drinking it just it, it progressed and it got just worse and worse he would drink to where he would have blackouts and he wouldn't remember what he did and I recall one time he had picked me up physically and threw me across the room about eight feet and I landed on a chair and my eardrum bursted and I went and stayed with a friend and here I am in Germany you know no family no friends and I had met another couple that and I went over there and I just I don't have money to get home I don't want to call my parents and hear them say I told you so so I you know just kind of dealt with it and they have a way of they meaning those who abuse have a way of convincing you that they're sorry that they'll never do it again They'll never do it again. Exactly. They had no idea what they were doing. They need you. They need you to help them. I'm a fixer. I'm an empath. So, you know, that sucked me right in. Okay, you know, my goal in life is to help you and make you better. And so, you know, throughout the years, it was just the same thing. And I tried the whole can't beat them, join them thing. I tried talking to him. I tried going to his superiors. We had some counseling and it just nothing really ever worked. We leave Germany and we ended up, um, he ended up getting discharged from the military. And we come back to Arizona where we both were from. And we had this little townhouse and this was probably the defining moment, which I say a defining moment, which doesn't always mean our defining moment was the moment that we did something different and changed. It was just the defining moment in your mind that you say, this isn't right that I can't do this, but doesn't mean that you took the action to change it. So we were living in this townhouse and I think it literally was like 600 square feet and trying to make it, you know, in jobs after we got out of the military. And I remember my daughters were in the other room, they shared a room and they were one and three at the time or two and four at the time. And he had come home um, drunk and of course I didn't know where he was so I'd been calling hospitals and, and police departments and it's what we do that crazy behavior as a code as a codependent you know we involve our whole emotional well-being in what they're doing and so uh, we got into an argument and he had me down on the ground with his hand on my throat oh my goodness and I remember, you know, you, you, when they say your life flashes before your eyes, I mean, it, it literally does. And I remember, I remember just looking at him and I remember the darkness closing in from each side and something in my mind just clicked. And I said, 
I can't let him kill me. My girls are going to find me dead and no one is ever going to love my daughters the way that I do. I can't let him raise my daughters. You know, surprisingly in that moment, all those thoughts came. I got this superhuman strength and I was able to pull my legs up and, and get him off of me. And I remember that that first breath that I took hurt my lungs. And I knew I was just, I was minutes away from not being here in this world any longer. And unfortunately, did that did that make me change? Did that let me leave? No, because even though we know what's going on isn't right, the ability and the, the fear that overtakes us, the fear of, can I take care of my kids? Can I financially do this? Can I, you know, and especially as a young girl, I, I didn't know and I didn't believe that my parents would help me and my father later on said you didn't think you could ask us I said if I did don't you think I would have so whether it was my belief or whether they really would have or wouldn't have it didn't matter my belief was no one's going to help me I have no choice and that is a profound thing that you experience anytime you're in these devastating moments in your life I have no choice and that's when we make changes when we realize I have choices wow. and I remember talking so I went through you know a few a few more years I was ready to just you know call it quits I had I was doing well in my career and I was ready to say I just I can't do this anymore uh, my girls one time were s- sitting across the kitchen sitting at their little table and he was being violent and throwing stuff And I remember looking at them and they were six and eight at the time. And I remember thinking, I can't let them think this is a man to to mimic who they're going to have in their lives. And it's one thing if I'm going to continue to put up with this, but I'll be damned if my children, you know, think that this is the kind of man they should marry. That would be my fault because I'm the one that's showing them the example. And so I was ready to just call it quits. I had found out that he had been uh, uh, cheating on me. Um, He went on a vacation while I was actually in the hospital in ICU. He went on a vacation with his mistress, uh, which I didn't find out later, but he had no uh, vacation time left and I couldn't figure out why. Well, he said he had a training thing um, up in Sedona when he was actually with his mistress. So, you know, how we don't know these things, how we're not aware of these things, it's, you know, neither here nor there, it's what we find out later. And so when it all came down to it, when I decided I, um, I got pregnant with my son, he said, he admitted, finally, I'm an alcoholic and I need help. I said, all right, I'll help you. (laughs) I went through uh, AA with him while I was pregnant. And you know, trying, just trying to keep our family together, just hoping just one last time that he would change. And of course he did not. Then I found out about the infidelity. And I remember sitting in my backyard with my daughter's best friend's mother, who I was good friends with at the time. And you know, Carol, you don't know where things come from. And I know now that I was given messages from, you know, from God's source, from God, you know, the higher power, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
and you just didn't know it at the time. But now you look back and I was sitting in that backyard sobbing and I said, oh, it's like he took my heart and he threw it on the ground and he stomped on it and he spit on it and then he handed it back to me. And I said, but you know what? If I have to go through this to help one person, then I'll do it. And to this day, I go, where did that come from? You know, where, how would I be thinking that I'm, I need to help someone else out of my moment of complete misery? And that, to me, validates my purpose here. And that I've always been made to help one another in some way and to be able to share these stories and to let people know you can have more, you deserve more, know your worth. You don't have to suffer through abuse or pain or anything because you do have a choice. Very well said. And regarding that last statement you made about going through what we go through, to help someone else. That has been the common thread with so many, virtually all of my guests, as I mentioned at the top of the show. It's incredible that human, the human spirit really wants to help. And when we have experienced something that could be so devastating, we can't imagine anyone else going through that. We want to help those who may be. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's quite the quite the realization like when you did come to that so hence that must have started your journey of a different mindset absolutely absolutely it was in those moments but I have to tell you this again what I love sharing with people is that you don't get somewhere overnight right so yes you know when when I have clients that come for coaching you know they're 30 years old I'll say well it took you 30 years to get here don't expect to get you know out of this in you know 10 days you know it takes a while for us to keep experiencing those things and when you say that common thread among all of your guests it's because the purpose of being here on this planet is to share those experiences. We give those experiences to one another to help each other grow. And it's not about money, it's not about jobs, material things, um, success or anything like that. It really is this human connection that we have to one another and relationships. And you learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what kind of people are your tribe or your soul family. And it's every day is this journey of learning more about yourself. And so in getting out of that marriage, it was, yeah, it was a great step toward my independence. But here's the kicker. I never healed what brought me into that relationship in the first place which were my insecurities, right. my, la my lack of feeling loved, my needing to fix someone. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I drew in a couple more relationships. One that was worse than physical abuse, it was psychological, you know, with a narcissist. And I heard your podcast with Dr. Deanna the other day, and, you know, a lot of what she said was so true. And it wasn't, and it was six years of that relationship, which was psychological, there was no physical, but it can be worse. I yes. felt like a prisoner in my home 
and it finally and he also had the alcoholism and it finally it, it took such a burden on me not just emotionally but physically i ended up with cancer twice wow so i, I had skin cancer i had cervical cancer i had uh, back pain so bad i was walking with a cane at 38 years old diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, asthma. I was on a ton of medication. Had I had my um, cancer surgery and he didn't go and he was at home getting drunk. And I came home to him being drunk. And I remember waking up kind of coming out of, you know, the, the drugs or whatever. And he was literally sitting at the foot of the bed eating something, just watching TV. And I said, well, I'm really hungry. And he said, oh, well, yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, how do you, how can you have so little compassion? And it was all about him. And so it finally came to the point where I said, I can't do this with this person anymore. Unfortunately, with a narcissist, they don't like to be rejected. They don't like to be dismissed. They don't like it when you'll no longer keep them the center of your universe and take care of them. And so there was quite a bit of harassment. Um, I, he ended up going to jail for aggravated harassment. And it was just this looking over my shoulder. It was having to be walked by security in and out of my office. Um, it took a toll. I was down to 99 pounds, I think 95, 99 pounds at one point. Um, just couldn't eat. And so, yeah, the physical does actually the overspill of the emotional stuff shows up in physical and so that's really a good indication when someone's really ill all of that stuff has been manifested by that emotion and when i finally got that person out of my life i then made that choice i will never do that again and i will finally be alone i will finally learn how to be alone how to love myself, yes. how to love being alone. And there were so many nights, which this connection I have with my dogs, so many nights just sitting in my room with my, my dogs laying on the bed watching TV where I just was like, this is better than any, any good time I ever had with anyone in my life. Just sitting here and being in peace with myself and, and loving finally who I am. And having to build that bar up to say, I'll never let anything go below this bar ever again if I'm presented with the opportunity to love again. Met my husband online. Uh, I refused to go out with him for four months. <laughs> I told <laughs> met online and he asked me out. I said, nah, I'm just looking for friends on a dating site, yes. Um, yeah, so four months he would... He would, you know, just drop a line. We would email and have nice conversations, but I was still not trusting my judgment yet, you know, to say, yes. oh, is, is he what he presents himself to be? Because I've been fooled before. And I think a lot of women do this when they go out in that dating world right. again. Right. And so um, one day I was sitting at my desk and I got a text message and it said, so how about that date? And I said, you know, this guy has been not pushy, not rude. He's been patient. We have great conversation. And I thought he deserves at least a date. And I always <laughs> used to say, I'm not going to go out on a date if and waste my makeup on someone if I'm not really feeling it. 
<laughs> so I thought he deserved my makeup. So I did. I, I texted him back and I, I said, yeah, I'll go on that date with you. Well, come to find out, he never sent that text. So divine intervention, I don't know. We went out and had our first date. It ended up being a six-hour date, and it was absolutely amazing. So we dated for four months. Well, at that time, and this will bring me into the next segment of the guilt with my daughter. At that time, I was really living my life to make sure my children were happy and to make sure... First of all, the guilt that I had felt from picking a, a father that wasn't worthy and then picking other men that had come along that weren't worthy of being a good stepfather to my children, I felt I always had to overcompensate for the lack of the male role models. And so my daughter, unfortunately, had some struggles. She had some mental health um she had been diagnosed with bipolar and she had made choices uh, with men that were similar to the choices that I had made. She had three young children. Um, she did have them young as well. So here I thought she's mirroring everything that I set an example of, right? So the guilt, 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 yes, guilt. Yes. So what do I do? I make sure to overcompensate by fixing everything in her life because I had no one there to fix things for me. So let me help her out of all these decisions and choices she's making and make it better. Let me help her financially and let me, you know, pick her up out of one issue, one situation and let me put her into another situation where I can get her on her feet and I can protect her. Long story short, I would jump every time she needed me. Well, my husband at the time while we were dating was, and I completely understand it now, was kind of seeing this drama and probably feeling low on the totem pole and that if we moved forward, he would never be my priority. So he starts pulling back and really engulfing himself in work rather than sharing this stuff with me at the time. Mm. So my instantaneous thought was, um, nope, I'm never going to be second priority to anything, whether it's a job, alcohol, woman, you know, instantaneously my trigger and my wall was like, nope. So I had said to him, I don't think we're a good fit. I think you're a great guy. I respect you and love you, but I don't think we're a good fit because I can't not be a priority. And so we parted ways. And six months later, out of the blue, I texted him and I said, hey, you want to catch up for lunch? Because I really still had all these feelings for him. And I thought five minutes with him was better than five years with some of these other people I had dated. Yeah. So we did. We got together and come to find out we, we both had realized I changed. I pulled back. I detached from my daughter's problems and choices and realized I had been hindering her own growth. I didn't get to where I was without having these experiences and having to be strong enough to get through them. Why would I take that away from her and her growth? So I learned to pull back, let her stand on her own two feet, let her fall, let her learn how to pick herself up, get some strength. And my husband, um, his mother had passed away and he had a really heart-wrenching talk with his father and his father said I didn't love your mother the way I wanted to or I should have 
And so my husband at the time said, or my, he wasn't my husband at the time, my husband now said, if I ever get a second chance with Maureen, I will make sure that she knows that I'm always there for her no matter what's going on in life. And then he got the text from me and we just were together there forward. He proposed a month later. We've been together for three years now. So, and it's the most healthy, happy, beautiful marriage and relationship I've not only experienced for myself, but that I've even seen around me. So healing is a beautiful thing. Where I live, every day I drive by this little hobby farm. The sign across the gate says, happily ever after. (laughs) And I just thought of that as you were sharing your story, because that's what the bottom line is, isn't it? You forget what you've been through. Yes, it molded you as a person and as a um, businesswoman and as a mother and a friend and all the, you know, all the phases of life that women go through. But yet, it made you who you were and who you are. So thank you so much for sharing that story. I had tears in my eyes, both of joy and empathy. So thank oh. you, Maureen. Oh, and I know you. that there, there were many women that will relate to that too. And the upside, you're here now. Absolutely. And the ability to see things with such different eyes exactly. and such a different mind and to give someone the hope and and the view of their amazingness and their worth through my eyes that they may not have anyone giving to them otherwise. Exactly. And knowing how much I wanted that and needed that at one point in my life, and I had to find it in myself. So let's switch gears yep. and talk about when you became aware of the lessons you could learn from your fur babies. Tell us about that from, be- from the beginning and, and what's going on there. I'm so anxious to hear. It's amazing what is right there in front of us that sometimes we don't see, right? So here's how this happened. So I work from home. I do have a, a nine to five that I've been at for a very long time. And um, then the life coaching came about. I've been, I've been doing this for such a long time. My kids would bring friends over and, and ask advice. And this happened a year ago. And it, it was just one of those things that you're given and you don't know why or how. And so I work from home and there were days when I was just super frustrated and I would just go outside and take a moment and then they would grab my attention and I would be like, wow, they just, my, my chihuahua, she's 15 pounds. Yes. She's very spoiled with treats. I know, but she just randomly would spin around and chase her tail. And I'm thinking, that's all you have to think about. That's it. How easy is that? Or my my big Aussie is like her big brother and makes sure she's taken care of. And if we can't find her, he'll show us where she is. Or she he's got this salawi on his nose that we've, we've tried treating. And she licks it every single day. And he lets her. And then when he gets tired of it, he just kind of pushes her away. And so all of these little observations, when I was sad, they made sure they were sitting right next to me. Yeah. It was the coolest thing to look at them and just go, wait a minute, why are we not living our lives like that? Because really nothing in this life is that serious. 
and we need to learn to live in the moment and so it progressed from there every day i just would observe something and then say oh this would be good related to this chapter and then i'd see another thing they do going to the dog park how they interact with one another i'm like wow why can't we as humans interact as sweet and kind and accepting as they are so it just grew from there and it was just really fun to watch them and relating it to our animals because everybody in the world, I believe, are, is an animal lover, whether you own an animal or not. I think everyone has some compassion when it comes to animals and some joy. I shouldn't say everyone. You know, there's exceptions. But, yeah, so that's how, that's how it grew into the book. So tell me about the book. Is it a self-help book? Is it a story? Is it both? <coughs> it is. It is a guide to happiness. It is a guide to peace. It is my, I give my stories, just like sharing today, are a way of letting people know, yeah, I've been there, and here's how I dealt with that. And so all of those things that are interrelatable with your show, with one another, it started out just with them teaching the lessons, the furry, the furry babies teaching those lessons of how we can be better with one another. And so it became a guide. It became, here's examples. Here's things that you can do. Here's how the animals behave. Let's, let's look at their example and be like that. And, you know, it was the easiest process I, I've ever, probably the easiest thing I've ever done in my life, Carol. And everyone says, writing a book, yeah, I did not set out to write a book. I have never aspired to be a writer. One of the things in my family, you know, we do this kind of programming with our children. We like to label our children. He's the writer. She's the artist. She's the talker, you know, in my family, that's how. So my brother was editor of the newspapers in college. He was a reporter for the Arizona Republic. So me thinking that I was a writer was not even, you know, on the scope of things at all. So the picture that I have on my website, I showed it to my best friend one day after I got him taken. And she goes, you know, I see that on a cover of a book. And I went, huh. All right, I guess I'm writing a book. I didn't question it. I didn't doubt it. I didn't say, yeah, whatever. I'm not writing a book. I don't know how to write. I, none of it. No doubt came in my mind. And I sat down to write it in October, and I finished it in December, and I published. Oh I know. Eight weeks. <laughs> and my husband would come home from work, and he would be, you know, I would say, I wrote 2,000 words today. You know, he'd go, What? You know, what are you, are you serious? And it was the easiest thing I've ever done. Give us a couple stories. Absolutely. So one of the things I'm really, I'm, I, I, is really important to me that I try to convey to everyone is to show kindness. Show kindness to one another and nurture those relationships. Nurturing relationships, there's fostering relationships and Nurturing relationships, I, I really like to emphasize showing kindness to each other and nurturing relationships. So when I do my talks, I talk about fostering and nurturing relationships. Fostering relationships, you actually have an opportunity to meet at least five people a day. 
and nurturing relationships is just reaching out to those people that are already in your life and making sure that they know how much you care about them and how much you love them. And in the world of social media, we've lost that human connection yes. to one another. And so one of the stories in my book are there was a gentleman in my high school class and we talked on Facebook. We, we became friends on Facebook and he went into the hospital and he had had cancer and then he was doing better and then he had got um, back into the hospital. And I remember he had posted on Facebook that he was really craving Kentucky Fried Chicken because the hospital food was terrible. And I remember thinking, oh, I need to bring him some Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, I got busy and I didn't do it. And found out someone else had, which I was really happy about, oh. and he passed away. And I felt this complete disappointment in myself that I didn't take that time to go and do that. And I know we can't be there for everyone, but that really hit home for me that whenever I can, I'm going to do everything possible to, to reach out and to be there physically and to have those moments. There's, you know, there's nothing like giving your time to someone that is priceless. That is an action over a word that shows I really care about you and this is how much I care about you. I'm taking the time to do this, to get in my car, to get ready, to put all appointments aside, to come and give you my undivided attention because you matter. I think one of the things that I'm hearing you say is that by doing that, in one way it's like you're remembering that no one was there for you when you went through those moments. Would you agree with that? I would completely agree with that. I would. And and that's, you just, I'm sitting here looking out the window when you just said that. And I just sort of was daydreaming when you said that. And I thought, she's right. I didn't even discover, I didn't even discover that in myself yet. I, I've always been moved to have that empathy for others. And maybe it's because I hadn't experienced that kind of empathy shown to me. Yes. And so I, I always want to be the difference in someone's life. And I always use the example when there's a girl walking down the street and, you know, she looks beautiful. She's got a pretty dress on. I always say, you look so beautiful today because I always think, what if she is in an abusive relationship like I was and she hasn't heard how beautiful she is in years? And what if that's the seed that plants and she says, you know what? I am beautiful and I am worth it and I do deserve more and I'm with someone that doesn't make me feel that way and today's the day I'm going to make a change. I know that's a Pollyanna view. <laughs> you know what? Not necessarily and I'll tell you why. I think you and I need to co-author a book because oh, I do I exactly the same thing. Uh, whether it's a waitress that is, you can tell is pulling her hair out, I will stop her, I will look her in the eyes and I will tell her how beautiful she is you know, how, what a great job she's doing, or any number of things. I've stopped people in their cars. This one time I was on the highway, and I, I saw this woman crying on the highway in her car, and I motioned her over to the side of the road, and I asked her what was going on. She was on her way to commit suicide. 
Oh, and I was able to talk her out, you know, so yes, I'm you getting, were put in her path. You yes, but oh my gosh, I love that. And I know, believe we goose, that we are put yes, in the path. I agree. That's what I'm saying. As you're talking about this, it's just I'm getting goosebumps because and you know what? You really help that person, but more, even more so, you help yourself. <laughs> Isn't that That's, funny how that works? We, you, don't, you don't set out to help yourself, but in end, right? you get the blessing. I, I actually wrote a blog about that called Let's Get Addicted. Oh. <laughs> and what I'm saying is let's get addicted to the feeling that it gives us of being kind to one another and helping one another. Because oh, it I is, like to me, it's a high. That's a high yeah, for me. Yes, when, yes. You know, I was standing in, or I was at Little Caesars yesterday getting their little lunch special that you get, their little tiny pizza and, and a little Coke. And I'm sitting there, and this place is full of people, and it's lunchtime. And everyone gets their pizza. And so this one lady is waiting to get her pizza, and she's got this cane, and then she's got her pizza, and then she's got something on the top of it. And there's a crowd of people in this little tiny Little Caesars lobby, right? There had to be 10 people. And I'm sitting in the seat closest to the door, and you see her struggling with her pizza box. And I jumped up and I opened the door and I said, well, here, let me take that pizza for you. I said, where are you parked? And I went over and she starts talking to me about, oh, well, I had surgery six months ago on my arm. And she's obviously has problems with her hip. And she said, oh, it takes a lot of time, you know, for it to heal. And I said, well, you know what, here you go. Let me put this in here. And I really, I hope you, you do really well. Coincidentally, my daughter had surgery yesterday on her arm that she broke. She had a plate and 13 screws put in. But see how we're all connected? Yeah. So I can say... I can say, oh, you had surgery? My daughter just, and she said, oh, yeah. it takes a little while to heal. So here I am. I'm getting <laughs> her input on right. how this is going to affect my daughter's arm, but I'm helping her with her pizza. And when I talk about people are so lost in their own little worlds, mm -hmm. that's what I talk about. No one stopped and said, hey, let me help her. And I don't like bringing attention to these things that I do because I do it because I want to. Yes. But it's so frustrating to me when people just stay in their own little bubble. We're here together to help each other, not to stay in our own little world and do what's best for us. And that's where that whole uniting of one another and helping comes in for me. It's so reciprocal. There's, you know, it, it's constant when you do something for somebody else and it just comes back full circle. Yeah, you are definitely um, telling that story in a beautiful way. And I appreciate so much. If I can relate with what you said, I can imagine the thousands out there that will as well. So this is exciting, not only to relate like that with each other, but also um, your book. I can't wait to read it. I definitely am promoting it. I can see that um, there's going to be a lot of eye-opening aha moments. I think that's kind of the thrust of what you want to share, correct? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. The message is just that you can live this beautiful, happy life without having stress and without uh, living with all of those things that you've dealt with in your past, not carrying them forward, but just living in the moment like our dogs do. They don't look, they don't re remember yesterday when yes. I was gone for eight right. hours. <laughs> they only look at right, right now. Brody is sitting next to me on the floor, my Australian Shepherd, as we speak. He just wants to be near me. That's right. all he cares about. So, yeah, that's what the book is. It's a super easy read. Um, it's, it's only 128 pages, so it's a fun read. I've had all five-star ratings um, on Amazon. I've had just amazing, amazing feedback. And... You know, Carol, my mantra, do you know the story of the starfish? Go ahead. The starfish story is a little boy goes on the beach and there's thousands of starfish that had washed up onto the beach and they were going to die because they were going to dry up into the sun if they weren't back into the ocean. So the little boy starts throwing starfish back into the sea. An old man walks up and sees what he's doing and says to the little boy, you're not going to make much of a difference. There's thousands of them. And the little boy throws another starfish in the sea, looks at the old man and says, but it made a difference to that one. So that's my mantra. That's what I live by, that if the book gets into the hands of those who need to hear it and the ripple effect moves forward, that's why I do what I do. That was a perfect synopsis, and thank you for that. This was so amazing, and I thank you so much. Well, Maureen, thank you. This has been so inspiring and fun. And it's amazing when you can talk to somebody who's gone through so much and yet what you come away with is a smile and a, and a warm, fuzzy feeling. And to incorporate the whole furry puppy scenario <laughs> into that, it just, you know, it's my cup of tea. And if it's my cup of tea, it's going to be many others as well. So I really appreciate you sharing today. Let's get this book out into the hands of everybody who's a dog lover and even those who aren't because people maybe we can help people to realize what animals are really trying to say to us live your life moment by moment day by day enjoy it thank you so much maureen this has been so much fun i really appreciate you coming on to never ever give up hope thank you carol this was so amazing and i appreciate you and i appreciate all of your listeners and i wish everyone a wonderful and blessed day thank you Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.